and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. So, Eric, we had already planned to record today anyway, recording this on a Thursday morning, but that was a hell of a game to record after, I suppose. That's probably good timing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the vibes have not been this good in a long time for the, for the, for the, for the online fan base, at the very least, uh, <laughs> for, for, for the fans online. I can't... I can't speak to what the vibes are with the team because I don't. I'm not on the team. Yeah, I'm but, not with. I'm not in Memphis but, right now. So but I, but, but I, I would I, imagine they're better now than they've been in a little bit. Except for Jeremy, who is maybe concussed. Well, I don't know if you saw Casey's tweet last night that uh, he said after the game that he is not in the concussion protocol. Okay. So I suppose that just means they held him out last night just to be safe. I guess we'll probably find a little bit more out about that uh, this afternoon when the injury report comes out for their game tomorrow in Washington, whether he's listed as questionable or is he even on the injury report. I would imagine, I mean, if we're just going to get right to the injury stuff and we're going to get, and I guess with that, we'll get to the trade deadline stuff and then we can, we can just go in whatever direction you got. You, you, you know, us, you know, the vibes we will just go wherever, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, another tweet that Casey had last night, I believe he was the oh, Casey hold all. Obviously I believe he was the only reporter covering the team who was actually there in Memphis last night, but he had a tweet after Nurkic re-aggravated, uh, the calf that, caused him to miss a game last week he missed the toronto game he got hurt in the what was the game before that utah yeah utah mm -hmm. and then he missed the toronto game played in the atlanta game and then he went out after like two minutes last night in memphis and casey said that he left the arena in a boot that's not good so i am okay we are again we're recording this on thursday morning february 2nd the trade deadline is in one week from today. One week and two and a half hours. Yes. I wonder if Nurkic has played his last game as a Portland Trailblazer. I mean, you'd think, I mean, if, he, if he's hurt for a while and then yes, I, I think there's a very good chance that that's the case. And that's, you know, it's a bummer. Obviously he, every, everyone, that's the one thing that, you know, everyone wants to play normally. And yeah. And I think, and I think like he's pretty much everyone on the team has been pretty good about, you know, still everyone's doing their job and showing up and, and wanting to play. Mm -hmm. But it, look, I mean, it's, it has to get to him at a certain point. I mean, like, like, and I understand if it, if it is, or if it has, cause I mean, the other night when he we were at the game, we were at the Atlanta game, and he got subbed out. Like the fans don't react anymore when he gets subbed out. Like it's like, oh, you mean when the when the when Mark says the name of the player that's getting pulled and they cheer yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, and that usually happens for pretty much everybody. 
and it doesn't really happen for Nurk anymore. And so, like, it does feel like the fans feel like they're ready to, you know, mm. vaya con Dios to Nurk. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, but it, it seems like that is kind of where we're at. But at the same time, you know, uh, it could impact someone maybe trading for him if he if he's hurt for a little bit. I don't, so I don't think that if, if it was like a season-ending injury, which I don't think it is, then that would impact it. But I think that that would be, especially with, you know, how much time he has left on his contract, I think, you know, the, t- the types of teams that I've heard are interested in trading for him. It's not that long of a list. I've heard Toronto. I've heard Charlotte. There's a couple of others I'm forgetting. But those are not exactly teams that are, like, contending for a championship this year. No. So it wouldn't be if, – if you're trading for Nurkic, it's not to make a playoff run this year. It's to have a serviceable starting center under contract for the next few years at, at, at a certain number. Yeah. Well, would and be the see- idea. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, and, and I get where the frustration has come. I do think that because of the number that he's at, mm-hmm. even though he, you know, he's got his, his, you know, his warts yeah. as a player, it's still like compared to a lot of guys, like you're hearing Jakob Pertl getting 20 something or maybe more, you know, you're hearing, you know, you see DeAndre Ayton makes 30 million. Like what, I mean, Maybe for certain teams, the the difference is maybe not that different between DeAndre Ayton and Nurkic. I mean, I think I would rather have Ayton, but oh I, God, yes, you would. But, but 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 I think that for other teams, especially for instance, Toronto, mm-hmm. they have a, no centers on the roster. They have, right there's now. no centers on the roster, but what they do have is a bunch of rangy wings that can take and and help some of Nurkic's weaknesses with mobility and scheme flexibility that you can do that with a bunch of dudes that are six, nine rangy wings that Portland doesn't have. And, and the Portland roster puts Nurkic in some situations that is that he has to cover up for. If you're another team like a Toronto, like a Charlotte that you think you have more athletic dudes around him to help cover up for his lack of like lateral quickness then you can convince yourself, hey, like he could be a rim protector for us with all this, with some extra defensive help that he doesn't really get here in Portland because of the way the team is structured. Yeah, I, I think that that would be kind of the logic of it. I, it just, it's you, you've seen you've seen a couple of times in the last few weeks he didn't he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter of the Laker game and it wasn't foul trouble he had four fouls in that game but like you know you you're still going to especially in a game that you know you were up 25 and then you're you know trying to hold off a team that's coming back from down 25 if your starting center was playable even with four fouls you would have him in there and Chauncey didn't play him at all in the fourth quarter of the Laker game and then the other night in the win against Atlanta he came in in the final eight seconds of the fourth quarter for rebounding purposes on a free throw. But otherwise, Chauncey closed with Eubanks. And it seems like Chauncey, like, and I mean, this is not even a takeaway from Eubanks because Eubanks has, you know, obviously Eubanks is not a starting center. He's probably not even a number two center on a good team. But he, you know, for what he is and what they're paying him and what they're asking him to do, he's played pretty well for the most part this season and done his job. But 
you still don't want to hear about your starting center who they just paid 70 million getting benched for a veteran minimum guy. No, you don't. And and I think it goes to something though, that, I mean, it's happened across the league. So it, where Portland sits in the league, isn't like that far removed from where they were during the Terry Stotts era in terms of pace, but right. They, the whole league plays faster. So the Blazers play faster as a result, but it does seem like, when they have Eubanks in there as a rim running, get up the floor type guy, that they have, there's a lot more chaos that they can create where Dame can get loose, like, and where Gary or not Gary Gary Payton too, excuse me, Gary Payton too. There is I mean, last... there's multiple players on the Blazers in recent years named Gary, whose dads also played in the league. I understand the confusion. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So, but GP two last night. I mean. Him and Eubanks together, the the Beavs. Shout out to the Beavs. Uh, we're ducks, so we don't actually we're du- shout we're, them out. But we'll just shout. We'll they'll shout them out because they 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 did do something. Sure. Yes. So, but but anyway, but when Eubanks is out there and they play with more pace, or even when they were going with Winslow at center earlier in the year, I do think that that's an unexplored part of the Dame experience that the Blazers have not really dug their teeth into quite yet like and, and they're doing more of it and and I, Eubanks is kind of getting them there but I do think that that is maybe more what they're looking for in terms of like the next center is someone that can that is cool playing that type of up and down pace that can help them and help Dame really you know take advantage of some chaotic situations in transition that just really hasn't been Portland's MO a lot of the time that Dame has been here because their half court offense for the long time was so good that it was, that was kind of their bread and butter. You want to talk about Dame? We should probably talk about Dame. (laughs) Yes, we should talk about Dame 40 again. I think he's averaging 40 over the last 10 or something. Um, He's playing. I mean, is this the best stretch of his entire career? It's got it's it's up there. For I think sure. it might be. I think it might be. I mean, I mean the 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 combination, and when we were talking to coaches, like I remember we were talking to Nick Nurse, and I was I was I was at the Atlanta and the Toronto game, and Nurse was just really raving about how his speed right now and the way he's getting downhill and getting to the basket, and I mean Nurse said he's playing as well as he's ever played, and like. You know, Nurse is like a really great defensive coach. So, like, that's what he's sinking his teeth into. How the hell do I stop this guy? And basically, his answer was like, "You can't really do that right now." And it, and, and that's how great he's been. I mean, it's unstoppable at this moment. And so, the thing about this that's jumped like it's felt, and this is a word I've used a little bit of to describe it before. It's felt kind of quiet, and I don't mean that in any kind of negative way, but. I guess, I mean, obviously last night he kind of took over at the end against Memphis and hit a couple of shots to, to bring it home and to, you know, have him come back. But for the most part, like, the other night in the uh, Atlanta game, I was sitting next to Merang on Media Row, and we look up at the, you know, he hits a shot in, like, the third quarter. We look up at the scoreboard, and it says he has 31. And we're looking at each other like, wait, when did Dame get 31? It doesn't feel like he's just, you know, taking over and going off. Even even the 60-point game against Utah, we uh, looked, you know, we, we looked at each other like, like, what? Like, he has he has 40 points through, you know, half of the third quarter? Like, what, like 
it, it, it he's it, i think part of it is that he's attacking and getting to the rim and he isn't just like hitting these like haymaker three-pointers that like get and everybody the refs on are rewarding going, the refs are rewarding him for going to the rim by giving him some more calls and setting him to the line more like i think but the here's the but here's he's the getting thing. 17 15 free throws a game is because he's getting to the rack but here's the thing in the 60 point game he didn't even ha- he only had like 12 free throw attempts in that game it wasn't even like he was just you know grifting a, like that entire game he totally. could, maybe a little bit more so the the last couple of games, but it just hasn't felt like like it's felt like and you know the word he used after the sixty point game was simple, where he's just kind of taking what the defense gives him and making the making plays and doing different stuff and isn't just like going across half court and pulling up from three and he's hitting you know every single one of these shots and that's why he's scoring forty points all the time over the stretch. That kind of was what it felt like when he's had these other stretches. Remember he had this That was like the bubble. That like the bubble day was like Dame is like going he's just jacking the shot as soon as he gets across half the one and it was like the one in twenty twenty right before COVID hit, remember when he was scoring fifty points for like a week? mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah yeah those felt more just like I gotta will I'm doing everything. I gotta do it myself. And like it does feel like he's just taking opportunities within the offense, within like actual design sets. And like, yes, there's still the I will cross half court and shoot it as soon as I get across, but it's more he's he's also managing the game and getting shots for other guys, setting other guys up to for looks. Uh he's just doing everything really for the team and he's doing it in a way that just seems it's so so in control at all times and he's just in a crate in a wild zone right now the i think a great testament to that was his post-game interview with brooke last night where she asked him about the seven point play and yeah, he I saw even, this and yeah. he didn't he didn't even realize he did it like he's he's just so in the zone right now that he's just like doing what he has to do to get people involved and get the win and have them playing together that he doesn't even know sometimes when he's doing some of these amazing things. Like he, the 60 point game when y'all told him at the Utah game and he's like, Oh wow. Really? Like I had the most efficient 60 point game of all time. I I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. And he's just doing things right now. And he's not even like, that's just, he's just in his zone right now. His focus is just like, it's, it's something special right now. And it's even for him who has had these great stretches before, it's better than he's ever been. And that's what's, I mean, it's, it's really fun. I think if you're a Blazer fan thinking about, well, if they can get, if they can make a move here at the trade deadline about this getting more interesting around game because of how great he's playing and how well he's getting everybody involved. And, and, and I just think he's making everybody better as well. And that's just, that's a something about his game that I don't think gets a lot of credit. Um, because of just how many points he scores. But I do think that the way he's willing the team to play well as well is, is, is something that I think should be talked about in addition to his scoring. Have you ever seen a seven-point possession before? No. Because that was a pretty insane sequence. Hits a three, gets fouled, the foul gets upgraded to a flagrant. He hits the free throw, they get it again, and he hits another three. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was I mean, it was 60 to 67, on that, and then it was sixty-seven. And then he tied the game immediately <laughs> at sixty-seven. Like it was crazy. Uh, it was it was just one of those nights. And uh, Dame was amazing, uh, and he's been amazing. And I think that you know, I think the MVP right now. It seems like the national conversation is zeroed in like it was last year on Embiid and Jokic. Uh, but 
look, if Dame keeps playing this way and the Blazers are able to string some wins together for a couple of weeks on top of what they've done so far, and they get into that top tier of the West, he can play his way into some votes. I think the highest he's ever finished is fourth. Yeah. The, so, year, the year he was first team all NBA in 18, 19. So I, I, I think that he has a real good opportunity to be on the ballot again. And I, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see what the rest of the season holds here. I think, I think Jokic and Embiid though, are probably just going to, they have so much, uh, it seems like there's, and also last year's conversation, I think plays a part in the conversation for this year. Uh, I just I think, think the narrative there is, is, I think the narrative and Embiid having that huge game on the Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, ABC game, like that stuff matters. And I think ultimately like those two guys have run away with it, but I do think Dame, Dame is in that conversation as well uh, for, for MVP. He should well, be at least. Well, we'll see how the rest of the season goes with some of the other guys that have been in, like, cause I think Giannis is still going to be in there for a lot of people. I think Luca is still going to be in there for a lot of people. I think Tatum is still going to be in there for a lot of people. Cause the Celtics are still where they are in the standings. I think, I mean, KD was right in there until he got hurt. I think he had a lot, but I don't know. I, 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 I hear you. I think that with the way he's been playing over the last two weeks, Dame should, you know, be in that mix, but I don't know how likely it is that he's going to be able to come on this late and actually get the type of, you know, talk in this thing. Cause I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I keep saying this whenever this kind of stuff comes up, I am so glad that I am not a voter. So I don't actually have to be the one to make these decisions and I can just like watch the world burn around me 